Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just you, you forgot to enter. Oh, it's me, Mario. <laughs> Hello. Classic games. Yeah, that's yeah. Of course, um, I'm a big gamer too. I, I love, I love fucking playing games and shit. But yeah, I mean, you have an English accent, of course, natural and normal. And then you have a bit more of like up and down, like it's a different region of England. And then you could go down to Scotland if you'd like. Have you ever been to Scotland, lad? What about Ireland? Have you seen the Rolling Hills? Well, you could go to Ireland as well. That's a bit more high pitch, and maybe you know, there's, there's a lot of different types of Irish accents, though. You know, you could go to Northern Ireland, where it's a bit more like tat 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 with the end of your sentences. Um, and I'm sure there's somebody going at home like that's not that's that's inaccurate. Like I don't I don't research. I just do voices. Off and, ear. Yeah, I just I just fuck around. Like anybody who's like that's well, technically they would pronounce that as this. I'm just I don't I don't give a fuck. Hi, I'm Drew Dunn, and this is my golden hour. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. Long ago, the four dear nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the fire deer attacked. Only Derek, master of all four elements, could stop those boys. But when Boston needed him most, he vanished into the enchanted golden deer forest. Season four. Double clap means what? That was pretty emphatic, Frank. Thank you for the energy. So, let me preface as I start. Me and this young man to the right of me just met in person like for the first time like 10 minutes ago yeah but i can tell we're both good guys i can tell already yeah i think that's the first thing you said to me is hey i'm a good guy (laughs) i hope i'm not lying man we'll find out i'm trying so far so good so when i had i was just saying this but when i had liam from the new age insiders up i was like yo bro I want to like kind of connect more to Boston comedy. I haven't done enough. And like, I know there's stuff going on that I'm not really totally tapped into. And he was like, yeah, well there's this guy, Will Noonan, who's pulling together these shows. You should go to one. And so me and my bestie showed up to Capo and I saw this young man, my right performing and I was dying laughing. Yeah. And I consider myself kind of a, a cynic when it comes to laughing. Like, are you the same way? Do you laugh at a bunch of shit or do you not think a lot of shit's funny? Not really. I mean, I can appreciate when stuff is funny, but a lot of times I go, oh, that's funny. Like, I don't, I, it's hard like, to, <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Yeah. I have to really be like in, like in the moment watching the show for me to do it. Cause if not, I'm constantly just analyzing it. Even for like pr- professional standup, like watching specials and stuff. Yeah. So what type of, what form of com- comedy do you think you get the most laughs out of? I mean, I mean, stand-up comedy uh, in and of itself is like it's such a unique art form where it's, ridiculous. it's just just you up there. So it's like you have the most risk on you, but at the same time, like compared to like sketch, if a sketch goes really well, it's up to five people to make it right, and all those five people kind of get that. But stand-up, it's just you. You have all the pressure, but then you get all of the reward yourself. That all of that laughter is that just ego. for you that you created. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily the ego, but as much as just like. 
Dude, it feels good. It feels good to make people laugh. That's it feels awesome. good to do well and like no matter what you're doing. So yeah, man, it's uh, that's you, what keeps you coming back. It's it's kind of like a drug. It's weird. Dopamine hits. Yeah, well, you get you get that laugh and like all of a sudden I'll find myself just like in a bad mood and I, I don't know why. And then I get on stage and I feel totally fine after. It's so weird. Do you want to just before we continue, just give a little preface of who you are and what you do? Yeah. So uh, my name's Drew Dunn. I'm a stand-up comedian. I've been performing for. About five and a half years now. I've been full time for about the last two. Uh, I live in New Hampshire, dope. but uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Um, I live in New Hampshire, but I, I do the Boston comedy scene a ton because that's like the biggest scene in the area. But New England as a whole comedy scene is just like it's crazy, and it's it's grown so much since I've started. It's it's nuts. And when did you start? I started January two thousand fourteen. Um, so I was in my senior year of college. I had just stopped playing baseball. Um, basically, had a shoulder injury that I could choose to like redshirt for a year. Was and, it labrum? Uh, no, it was my it was my tendons. I, I nothing like tore or anything. I basically I switched from being a catcher to being a pitcher. So um, pause. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that one, Frank. You probably didn't catch it. I'm just trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's making a gay joke. That was a gay joke. Yeah, but me and my boyfriend, we switch off every night. So okay, word. <laughs> so you catch and pitch still. Yeah, yeah, I still catch and yeah, pitch no, all the time. Frank. Okay. Um, yeah, no, so uh, so I switched, and um, you use a whole different part of your arm. So I basically had parts of my arm getting sore that hadn't in a long time. Messed in my arm. I had the choice to take a year off and do, like, another year of school, get in even more debt, or just say fuck it and quit and that's what i did and started oh, doing so you stand-up didn't, you didn't graduate no i did graduate i stopped playing baseball okay. that was the hardest six months of school though was like finishing without playing baseball because that was the only thing that like drove me to go to college <laughs> in the liked, first place yeah. yeah and honestly it's like it sounds stupid but it's like one of my biggest regrets is going to college like <laughs> it's, it might be one of mine too <laughs> it sucks man well it's one of those things that you're just like you're peer pressured into doing almost you know like yeah it's like oh you're gonna be a loser if you don't go to college oh you're not gonna do anything if you don't go to college you're gonna do this it's like man i i would be doing exactly what i'm doing right now with about five to six figures less of debt absolutely sitting on my credit right now yeah. and well it's also hard to make a rational decision like that when you're 18 you don't really understand the importance of money for sure yeah and and you, again it's almost you're just like peer pressured into it nobody tells you you just that's what you're supposed to do it's it's what's quote quote successful people do uh, but then you realize that you don't want to be one of those type of successful people i never saw myself as the hey, i'm just gonna get a nine to five wear a shirt and tie every day and come home kiss my wife make babies and be happy like that was never me because it was always baseball and then immediately became comedy yeah i'm the same way but i I think I realized probably in college when I was, I went to Providence College. Okay. I probably realized at, when I was at PC, I was like, damn, I'm like not in the right spot right now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. And then, yeah, like I said, especially when I, I was in college, like realizing I wasn't going to use any of the stuff. Like I went to school for business and marketing and I definitely used some of that stuff, but it's when all it comes, natural anyway. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know how to market yourself and most of the stuff that applies to a corporation doesn't necessarily apply to like an individual or an artist in that way. So Personal you gotta, brand. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta just kind of innovate constantly and just make content that you like and, and hope that people like it too, I guess. So when you had started gigging initially, we had just talked about it, but the first venue you were at was the Middle East. Yeah. That was the first show I ever did. Um, so I threw a big show in the downstairs. Okay. Last summer. Yeah. So this was in the upstairs. It was, it's in the, the cafe. Yeah. It's in like the cafe bar area. Yeah. Which they still regulate. They yeah. still run that. Yeah, they do. Yeah. It, it went through a lull for a little bit, but yeah, I think it, it, it's definitely back. Um, 
and uh yeah man it was one of those things that i didn't even i didn't even know like what stand-up comedy was on like the local level you know i didn't really know anything um but i saw a buddy of mine in college start doing stand-up and uh, he was one of those dudes that i always thought was funny but i never thought would do stand-up comedy so i was in that place where i had just stopped baseball I'd always thought about stand-up. It was always kind of a thing that I thought I could do. I was always kind of the funny kid. Like, I'm one of seven kids in my family, so I was always like the funny brother cracking jokes. No, not actually. No, my parents just uh, don't know. You New Hampshire people, man. My my parents just don't know that, like, antibiotics cancel out birth control. I just kept (laughs) fucking ripping kids out. Dead ass. (laughs) You're the youngest of seven? Second oldest of seven. Okay, word. Yeah. What does the oldest do? He works in Boston uh, for a tech company. Big that, corporate. He, he's a, no, he's a software developer. He's a guy who like started his own businesses, and then now he works for a business. He's like a VP or some shit like that. Good for him. Yeah. Are yeah, you? Uh, are you? Um, I feel like you have to have kind of an entrepreneurial sense to be a stand-up comic. Do you pull that from anywhere? For sure. I mean, I like I said, I was just never going to be that nine-to-five guy. I think I've always had that, like, not necessarily entrepreneurial, but definitely like fuck the system i don't want to be mm-hmm. another number in the machine kind of deal i mean uh, like does anyone else own businesses in your family uh my dad is like my dad doesn't own a business but he's always had that like side project that he works on whether he's like i'm working on the screenplay or i'm i'm you know making an app or something like that because i'm my, my dad's a software developer my older brother is my younger brother is and then i have a brother's like starting to become a lawyer and stuff like that so i'm like kind of the black sheep in that way where i'm I'm you're, just doing my own thing shadows, and everything. Man. No, they support me and everything. You right. know, like it's it's a good it's a good thing, but um, it's definitely it's definitely different. Yeah, you definitely have to have an entrepreneurial mindset, especially today because there's so many things you can constantly be doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I could be Facebook living this as well, or or vlogging. We it should or, Instagram live or, actually, or like do all that kind of stuff. You know, it's. Uh, uh, do you, are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the goat. Yeah, he's a he's a motivational guy. Get off your ass! Get off your ass! <laughs> it's weird because, like, you know that you should get off your ass, but sometimes you just need somebody to yell that at you to make you like realize that, that you have to actually get off your ass. Well, that was part of your bit, which I thought was hilarious. You're like, sometimes I'll like, you were like, sometimes I'll like watch YouTube videos get me pumped, yeah, and then I'll watch another motivational speaker and she'll tell me to relax. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Which which w- female were you? Sp- uh, I mean, I'm, I I can't even remember the name, dude. It's one of those things where you just look up motivational videos, and I was just scrolling through and just was clicking on different ones just to try and get the juices flowing. And uh, yeah, but no, it's always it's always the extremes. It's always people screaming or people whispering. It's I know the there's two. there's no moderate. Yeah. Uh, do you have any moderate motivational speakers? Do you know of any, Frank? I don't think they're successful. They're probably out there, <laughs> but they got like 15 subscribers on YouTube because yeah. nobody wants a guy in a monotone voice to just be like, "You can do it if you're consistent." Yeah. And you're kind and you work hard, you might make something of yourself. Yeah, people are like, fuck that, <laughs> scream at me, <laughs> yell at me. Wake like, the fuck yeah. up! Or like play the violin in the background and whisper sweet nothings. Yeah. It's one of the two. Yeah, literally. Do you, do you ever meditate? Yeah, I actually started meditating uh, probably about the beginning of this year. So is, I meditate it, like 10 minutes a day every day. Is it working? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know what it's supposed to do, but <laughs> it's it definitely makes me uh, calmer. Because, I mean, I definitely have like... Uh, not a temper, but like when I get mad, I, I get really fucking mad and I can't mm-hmm. stop. Like I'll be sitting there going like, I don't want to be angry anymore, but I feel upset. So I just wanted to like, I wanted to gain the ability to just control my brain regardless of what was going on. You know what I Where mean? Where are you and, most pissed? Are you a pissed driver? I'm definitely, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm not pissed driving not all the time. Subaru, man. I get pissed when people like 
are just stupid. Like when people are just <laughs> oh, ignorant. Sounds like Jack. Yeah, when yeah, people yeah. are just ignorant, dude, it makes me upset. <laughs> and, and it's ignorance. It's ignorance and like being a stubborn like ignorance like when you're you're just dumb and stuck in your ways you're not willing to take an information like you're trying to talk to somebody they're just yelling and talking over you that that stuff drives me nuts so you just hate people i like some people but a lot of people suck yeah it it takes it takes a lot to get me mad but um once i'm mad it's uh it's a sight to be seen for sure it's game over (laughs) yeah yeah where do you develop most of your bit like and how do you work on it um, I mean, Campo is definitely like a great place to work Practice. on stuff. Yeah. I go there every month. Like that set you saw me do most of that stuff was me doing it for the very first time. Um, so I just go up there with ideas. That's such a good place because I, that's exactly what it's designed for. It's designed for comics who are working to go there uh, and, and newer comics too, to go do a set on a Monday night for me. Anytime my, my mental state is if I'm not getting paid for the show, then I'm free to work on Practice. new material, yeah. try new things. It's okay to fail. And that's a big thing in stand-up comedy is like you have to be totally okay with with bombing. Once you get over that hump, like if you go up afraid to bomb every single time, you're, you're never going to get better. You're going to stick to the jokes that you know work and you're never going to write anything new or you're never going to take those chances that like like the, the bit I do to I do to open a lot where I, I pretend to do like announcers. You didn't hear it, but I pretend to do like a like. I think you did a, a Boston accent to start. No, I think I did. Uh, I think I did the. Um, uh, the Planet Earth dude. Oh the yeah, David Attenborough talking like this is real life. Yeah, <laughs> that is so spot on. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and what? And your spin on it was you were people watching. Yeah, that's that's how I, I do that a lot on my Instagram story, where I'll just like see people and I'll just like zoom in on them and just start doing that voice and stuff like that. It's yeah, it's fun, man. How did you develop that? Have you always had a, a sense for impression? Uh, not necessarily impressions. Like that's one that uh, that's like a voice I I used to do like a slightly different voice that was like more raspy. It was just like an old English guy. But then I wrote a bit that um about my dog that lead that led to me like doing that voice. So I've just kind of like developed it more and more. Um, but that's one of those things that like, if not, I, not, if, not to isolate you here. Sorry. Hey, uh, if I didn't, it's the Drew uh, show. it's me, it's me. It's just me. If you guys hear somebody talking, don't worry. Uh, it's just me here. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, you have to be able to go up there and take risks. Like I didn't know how that was going to go. I, I just have to go up there and be weird. Cause that'll lead to something better down the road. So, um, yeah, it's one of the few like art forms that's like, based on like live trial and error you know what i mean like music you develop it you develop it then you put it out once it's polished comedy is the same thing just everybody sees you developing it constantly that's the only way to really get better and i think at least and i I know it wasn't the biggest crowd in the world but i think people can sense that you're trying something out too for sure um have you ever had like you trying new material out and people are like dude get the fuck out of here man not really because if if something goes like poorly um you can kind of act in the moment and figure out how to like just say something funny the same way you would in conversation you know like if you you bomb with your we all bomb with our friends all the time you're all just shooting the shit you say something people don't get it or they don't laugh and then you say something and everybody moves on you know Mm -hmm. it's it's when you get caught up in the fact that it didn't go well and a lot of that time is because it's unexpected or you're fearful of it happening and then and then you're bombing you're like uh oh uh this isn't going well and then everybody like the crowd can sense when you're struggling or when you're you're not comfortable and they'll they'll just be like all right well we'll wait till the next guy yeah so how have you been able to navigate through like venues and stuff around here yeah so 
I don't know if that was totally general question. But. Super general question. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot. I mean, I'll, the good thing about comedy is outside of like the major clubs, which in Boston there's there's really only a handful of like clubs. In New England there's quite a few, but in Boston proper there's really like three full like stand up comedy clubs. Um, and uh, the, a lot of those other shows are run by comics. Like there's there's tons of shows seven days a week, but a lot of them are run by comedians. So you go do open mics, you you meet with you talk to people, you make friends, you get to know what people are the in the venues? community. Um, the major clubs in Boston: Nick's Comedy Stop, uh, Laugh Boston, which is like the national headliner club that a lot of the bigger names come through, and then you have uh, the Comedy Studio in Somerville. Those are the major ones, like in in the Boston proper area. And how has this developed since? My only real sense of Boston comedy, one, there are so many major comedians that have come out of the city. It's ridiculous. But my only real sense of, like, the Boston comedy scene is whenever, like, Joe Rogan has, like, these, like, 65-year-old dudes, like, hey, remember us in our heyday, man? Yeah, like Lenny Clark. I just just worked with, like, Steve Sweeney last weekend. We were at, like, a resort down the Cape, the Seacrest Beach Hotel. How was that? It was great, man. It was, was, like, three or four hundred people a night. Because they still, people still go out to see those guys. They sell tickets, like, crazy in New England, you know? What's the demographic of the audience? Uh, pretty mixed now. Now that they've both done Rogan, like it's you get some younger people come out to see him because they want to, you know, see somebody that was on I, their I favorite saw Theo podcast. Vaughn. Oh yeah, because I had seen him on Rogan. Yeah, Theo Vaughn's great. He's super funny. He was awesome, bro. Yeah. Who's your, who are your favorites? Uh, I love Bill Burr, uh, Brian Regan. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's he's one of those guys that like every comedian knows, but a lot of regular people don't. He's never done like a podcast or movies or a show or That's anything like that. That's how Bill like Burr that. started though too, right? He's yeah. like the comedian's comedian. For sure. I mean, but this guy's like clean, like no swears in his act or anything like that, but he's he's so funny. He's like one of the first comics I ever saw. Um, love Louis' material. I love... Uh, Frank uh, loves Louis C.K. too. Yeah. No, he's... So if you kill that fucking bug... Yeah, I mean, you can, you can say whatever you want about, you know, his, uh, his personal life and everything like that. Um... But you can't take away somebody's like work. You can still like you can be like, yeah, that that's not great what he did, and then go. But that's like still the best written joke I've ever I've ever heard. Like it's kind of like to. that R. Kelly. It's like damn, that, sure. That, those music, Michael that music, Jackson, man. I it, mean, yeah, the music's beautiful. Like how many people watched that documentary and didn't delete a single Michael Jackson song off their playlist? Probably most, right? I don't think every, a lot of people boycotted them. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I think I think in what the internet's provided and this is also going to sound totally general but these people who have massive platforms are just humans like for sure everyone has issues man well i think the social media yeah definitely revealed that more than ever because before celebrities felt like something different right it felt like this like when you were a kid you'd see a celebrity it it felt like a different person like an unattainable yeah they like build careers off mystery yeah exactly and uh yeah now anybody can just become famous i mean quote quote famous i mean i don't even know if you get real famous anymore like you can have a million followers on instagram and you can still go to the supermarket without anybody stopping you you know i know and is it weird for you that the most popular comedy in terms of commercial comedy right now is like instagram comedy and sketches because it's less of an i would say it's a lesser art form it's definitely less production, but some of those things make me laugh harder than like a Comedy Central sketch or an SNL sketch because they don't have to be well thought out 
or politically analyzed or like weighed in by like practices and all that kind of stuff. You can just go say what you want, what you think is funny or go make a quick, you know, one minute long sketch. Just slam a gallon of milk on a supermarket floor and explode everywhere. For sure. And that, that stuff is so funny, man. And, uh, like, I don't know all that like consumer made content like that's that's king right now. So that's what a lot of comedians are trying to balance is like how do I work towards you know getting into the quote quote industry and uh, and everything like that so you can make some money, but at the same time gaining that following that's gonna follow you no matter what because that's that's the real goal. No matter what, let's say let's say I'm lucky enough to like one day get like a sitcom, right? That'd be fire. Yeah, that'd be sick. Right. But then let's say my sitcom gets canceled. If I'm super duper lucky after like three or three to five seasons, something like that, then you're left with either whatever the industry is going to give you. Or if you kept doing stand up and kept working, whatever following that you have and people looking at you to continue making content for them and continuing that following. Cause if not, you just kind of drop off the face of the earth and then you're relying on a casting director or one person giving you the green light and allowing you to have a career. And I think that's the great thing with social media is you're not relying on those gatekeepers as much. Have you done any movies or tried to do anything scripted? I've done like nothing major. I've done like extra work in a few big movies. Like I was in the background of central intelligence, that rock and Kevin Hart movie. Can I tell you something crazy? What? I was too. You were really? <laughs> yeah, bro. No kidding. In Yo, the, in the, at the Lynn High School. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. were in the scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, are you in the cut? Uh, yeah, I'm in it like three different times. Bro, yeah. what if we're in the same shot? Oh my God. Crazy. What the fuck? You're right. When they were throwing like the fat Samoan dude out yeah, who was yeah, naked. Yeah, like for oh. two days. We were there for like 16 hour days oh for a God. one minute scene. Bro, yeah. we probably met. We may have met. That is wild. I want to make sure it's still going. I got to pull this up. Dude, this is hilarious. Yeah. I knew you looked familiar, man. <laughs> yeah, you saw me in the background for 0. 0.5 seconds. That's I saw right. you right next to that kid's ass. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Frank, do you want to come to the watch? Yeah, I remember these kids. Yeah, those kids. I had read for one of these. I had read for this dude's part. Oh, okay. It seemed like it was, this was his like first big gig. His like parents were on set. Yeah, for sure. Well, and those guys were making. The rumor was those guys were making just stupid money to do that small little scene. Oh wait, no. We we want the. So that's me right there. Where? Go back a sec. Right there. The jeans and the blue shirt. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, right in the jeans and blue shirt in the front. Wait, let me. I wasn't even supposed to sit there. That was supposed to be like all the union guys sitting that that close. Dude, all the other non-union guys were supposed to go to the back, and I just sat down and nobody moved me. I just sat right next to the photographers, which were like, dude, I thought my I thought during the time that uh, I thought that principal was so hilarious. Yeah, dude, he was like, if I was medically able. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it was kind of cool to see the process because that was like one of the first times I saw like the process of making a movie like that. Are you in this? Look, there I am. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Isn't that wild? <laughs> That's dope. So where were you sitting in comparison uh, to me? It's hard to tell because we went back and forth on either side. So I don't even know where they got that shot from. That shit was. There's one where I'm like right behind Kevin Hart. Yeah, I'm right there again. Yeah, Look right at there that. Right there in the bottom right corner. That's Kevin Hart. Yeah. So he had, Dude, a, he had a stunt double at the time doing backflips. Yeah, back so flips. I thought I was going to meet him because you know how they kept everybody so separated, right? Yeah. So they called up my group to like go and uh, get ready for another scene. So we were standing in like that hallway right outside mm-hmm. the gym and I was like, 
I was, and then they just they were just like, oh, we don't need you guys yet. They sent us back down, and I was like, I'm just gonna kind of take my time walking. And then my group goes away, and I was just kind of standing in the hallway, and I was just looking around. I turn and I see him like walk out to the edge, and I was like, oh man, this is crazy. Like I'm just gonna go walk up and shake his hand and be like, hey man, you're great. Like I didn't want to do anything crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go. Here's a joke, man. Like can I open for you? <laughs> like I'm not gonna do anything stupid like that. So I start walking towards him, dude. I'm getting all nervous. Like my hands are getting clammy. I get like two steps away from him, and the guy like turns his head just a little bit, and it was. His his fucking stunt double it wasn't it was even the him. backflip guy I was, yeah it was the backflip guy i was so let down i just fucking put my head down because i built it up i had already accepted that i wasn't gonna meet him and then i was like oh here's the chance this is my moment and then it and then it just immediately goes away and i was like fuck ah <laughs> no it was interesting not even to disparage this dude but he probably didn't even have time to read his lines so when he was reading his lines there was someone off camera he was like kelly line yeah all the time that? yeah 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 well, yeah, that's hard, man. Especially him. At the time, he was probably shooting like three other movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was when he was in like that hard grind. Let me let me get every script they throw at me. Let me just do it. Yeah, he was and just, just build a body of work. Yeah. There was a. What was really cool is after we had shot the scenes, there was that they were doing the green screen stuff with the rock's face. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was really cool to see. Yeah. That was wild. Yeah. And they, all of them, even Kevin Hart, he had like just black dots on his face during those scenes because they CGI'd his face to make him look younger. I know the production was unbelievable. Yeah. It was great. But yeah, that like two minutes sequence was like 30 hours of filming. Yeah. 30 hours of filming. They probably, they spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars Yet that didn't make me laugh nearly as hard as like the ice bucket challenge. You know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly. just dumb shit on the internet just makes like a fight compilation or something like that. There's something to be said about huge budget films though. It's still great for sure. Yeah. Like, like, have you seen the new Spider-Man? I haven't seen the new one. No, I heard, I, it, I heard it was dope. Yeah. I see. I was never a big Marvel guy. I had a buddy like try and get me into it and everything. Cause for me, I was, they were always just so predictable. Like I was like, Oh, let me guess. The good guys are about to lose, and then they win. And you then they come back. Yeah, and then they come back and win last minute. Oh, sick. It yeah, happened again. Uh, so for me, it was like less fun. But then uh, I, I got into the Marvel franchise a little bit with the Avengers and everything. And that was a little bit better because you did have the downs and, and ups and downs and stuff like that. But Did you see Xfinity War? I did see Xfinity War, yeah. Or X- Xfinity War? Infinity War. Yeah, no, that's the sponsored one by Comcast. Oh, yeah. That's coming out on, on demand. You can get that right now. Xfinity War. You can see them battle AT&T. Yeah. <laughs> and you can get a personal hotspot with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. If you show up to theaters. <laughs> so where would you like to take everything for yourself? I always ask this like very generally. Like, yeah. like you and I are in some... Bo- are you married, by the way? I'm married, yeah. I've been Whoa. married for four years, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. That is crazy, dude. Yeah, yeah. You've been married since you were 23? Yeah, 23. Yeah, I just turned 23. We got married, yeah. How did, what, how did it go down? I mean, we met in our senior year of high school, actually. Oh, that was one of those uh, stories. Yeah, and uh, we, we were just, we were just, we were friends first and then just kind of started dating. Started getting intimate. Yeah, started getting intimate, <laughs> you know, started sneaking into her house and stuff like that. Don't, and then, don't uh, tell her pops, though. Well, it, dude, it turns out like like her brother now lives in the house that that they they used to live in and we were like i wonder if they could hear us sneaking in because he'd always sneak his girlfriend in too so half the time i'd be meeting his girlfriend in the yard and we'd both be like climbing in this window <laughs> and then <laughs> we we're hilarious. like we we're like why don't you go like lay where your parents bed would and like let's try and climb in the window and it, it is so loud like there's no way they didn't know oh, they they, knew. they were they were yeah they were just cool with it um yeah but yeah we uh, we met in like marketing class in high school then we stayed together through college she followed me to westfield to play baseball and then when i moved to southern new hampshire university 
uh, to play baseball again. She switched to online, and then we just both moved home. I commuted there. She finished up online, and then uh, then we got married. Uh, yeah, four years ago. That's that New Hampshire love. Yeah, New Hampshire love. <laughs> what, what it's funny it? though because because I'm married, everyone just assumes I'm like super religious. Like, oh, he's he's one of seven kids. He's married. Like on paper, I'm like a perfect Catholic. You yeah. know, I just say sorry for when I do bad shit. Exactly. And I just keep rolling. Uh, but yeah, no, I've been to church probably like 10 times in my life. <laughs> but yeah, big pass on church. Yeah, no. I'm no not. one's rocking with that, bro. Makes me super uncomfortable, actually. Like Religion I, does? Yeah, just go, or just like being in a church to realize like, man, this is just like, religion to me, especially like like Christianity, it feels like the cult that won, right? They feel, it feels like they, they won America for the most part. Like they just took over. They had the best recruiting policy. They got enough people. Oh, anybody can be saved. Come on in. Then everybody's in, dude. And they just, yeah, they just got them. And then they just ran the country. They, they're still like the whole abortion thing. That's half the reason is because like there's still religion in the Absolutely. government. It's Everything's crazy, tied man. in. And there's a, there is a strange thing about the Christian religion is like what priests wear. It's like it's like kind of like regalia almost. Yeah. What makes me super uncomfortable is like I've had to go to a couple funerals recently for uh, some grandparents and stuff like that, and to see everybody just mindlessly say like a prayer, like they don't even feel it. There's like Our Father, ba 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 ba, and they're all glazed over, and I'm just in the middle, not really? knowing. I'm like, whoa, this <laughs> feels really fucking weird right now. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah dude it's so are are you don't get me wrong like if you're religious like i I, like you can believe whatever you want like i don't judge people based on that it's just that's just how i feel when i go in there i I feel weird about it probably because i wasn't indoctrinated into it when i was a kid like never baptized never drawn as a baby my my parents brought me to the wrong church like i'm baptized protestant and then i didn't do anything else after that what so they drowned you a little bit yeah they drowned me a little bit you know because that's what god would want exactly Wants, he wants your foreskin and he wants you to drown a little bit. <laughs> yeah, literally. And then he'll be happy. Let's let's make sure this baby doesn't breathe for no, a little. Yeah, Stick we don't. Him underwater. We don't sacrifice humans. That would be barbaric. Instead, we drown you a little bit and cut your dick off. You know what the wildest shit is? Is the Salem witch trials. Yeah, that's nuts. That's kind of near your area too. A little bit. Yeah, I've actually they they do a comedy festival up there, like a comedy and spirits festival in Salem. Around the bog where they used to drown people. Yeah, yeah. That's it's eerie, dude. It's an eerie feeling. To, to do be you know what that. they did? I mean, I know in general what they did. It, but but they, you this seem was to the be test. an expert. This was yeah. the test. They said, okay, we think that young lady over there with the crooked nose and who's kind of talking against us. No, what we're going to do, we're going to go over to this bog and we're going to put weights around her ankles and her wrists. And if she comes up when we drown her in this deep bog, then she's a witch. But if she doesn't, we just killed her. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> makes no sense. That's solid logic, bro. That seems like a win for the church. I feel like there's still a lot of people that would be like, if you told them that plan, there's probably still a lot of people that'd be like, yeah, I'm on board with that. Like it's foolproof. Well, yeah, bro. There is some crazy shit going on with religion right now. Are you familiar with the Scientology religion? To to a point. Yeah. Oh man. It's wild. Well, they're probably actually listening to us right now. They're They're always listening. They're everywhere. It's Absorp. Or it's, uh, what's his Frank? Do you know the name of his, uh, the dude who started Scientology. Oh, yeah, I forget. L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard, yeah. Dianetics, which is actually a great book. Yeah. It's like kind of like a motivational speaker you want in the <laughs> yeah. morning. It, it is. It, it's all it's spelled like discipline and stuff. So 
you are totally anti-religion i'm not anti-religion like i said like i like i don't look down on people for believing what they want to believe what do whatever gets you through the fucking day like you mm-hmm. need if you need something to believe in like i'm not going to say that there's no god the universe is too fucking crazy and uh could possibly be a simulation but i just don't believe anything uh like hardcore like i i'd rather just let people do what they're gonna do you let me do what i'm gonna do and we we can all have a good day big simulation believer are you uh not a big simulation believer but it could be right totally could be frank is totally against the theory i'm like like frank you gotta at least give it a little thought well i mean uh yeah, there's there's some lie. I forget the name of it. That's like just the odds of us living in a simulation is more likely. Just because if we made one simulation, it would just keep making more and more simulations, and then we'd just be caught in the simulation. I'd be down. What if you did? I mean, that'd be kind of cool, right? You die, you just wake up, like you're out of the matrix. Like, oh shit, should I play another round? Well, would I- you would you play another round? Let's say let's say it is all a simulation, and then you wake up like in the matrix tank, and they're like, start over. Well, the way I see it, it's like NBA 2K. It's like a my player, you feel me? Okay. And so then like at the start when you're building your player, you can choose certain attributes that you're better at. So like you'd be like a ball handler or you'd be like a playmaker. You look like a good ball handler, yeah. Yeah, I am. (laughs) And you look like a good pitcher and catcher, bro. Great, both. (laughs) (laughs) So I think like, let's say the simulation ends. Yeah. Let's say I was gifted with like not even a dust my own shoulder i was gifted with social ability right sure sure let's say n- next time around i want to be gifted with like the elon musk brain so you you come back as a human i think i'd come back like at least i do at least one round as like an eagle or like a tiger or some shit That's, you know what i mean like humans is a long time i'd rather like let me take a break from human after this let me go live as an eagle and like catch shit with my feet for like seven to 12 years and then we'll go back exhausting. in line I like to think of it as like a big Disney ride when you get done. You know, you just get to go wait in line for whatever you want to do next. So you go eagle? Yeah, I'd probably go. I'd probably go something cool like a predator. You know, eagle's kind of a weak predator. Eagle's bad, but you can fly. Yeah, but wouldn't you just do like a peregrine falcon? I mean, that's the fastest that... animal on the planet. Sure, but you know, I like uh, I like a challenge. You know, and you like being stoic. So you want to come back as Elon Musk? I'd rather come back as like somebody you haven't heard of yet. You know, you got to grind it out. Uh, I want to earn it as an eagle. You know. And the thing about that is, like, you you can choose when the spotlight's on you. Yeah, exactly. Because like you can, you can go isolate yourself, but then you want to come and go swoop up a rat. Yeah, exactly. Also, you, how dare you this close to Fourth of July say that an eagle is a weak predator? This is America. This an eagle is definitely weak compared to a. a Siberian tiger. Yeah, I'll one-on-one you right now. Next life. You come back Siberian tiger, I'll come back eagle. No, I'll come back Elon Musk. Yeah. You just start pecking at my <laughs> ears. Start pecking. I'll shit on your fucking <laughs> Teslas. Yeah. yeah See who's weak now, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Are you a big uh, Elon Musk follower? Uh, I'm not a big follower by me. I mean, I'm aware of his work. I know that, uh, I think it was yesterday, they, they had a big announcement about his new like Neuralink I'm, thing. I'm unfamiliar. That's him trying to make everybody cyborgs. Like it's, it's the quote, like cell phone replacement kind of thing where we're integrating everything into the human brain. So like, instead of going, Hey Siri, what's the score of the Celtics game? You would just go, okay, I have the score of the Celtics game. Okay. So like a microchip in your brain. Basically kind of thing. Yeah. They're really like secretive. Yeah. They have, they're very like secretive about it, but yeah, that's the idea. He talked about it a little bit when he was on Joe Rogan's podcast about like, you're limited by your thumbs or like you're limited by your ability to speak. Like. Why not just increase the bandwidth to your brain power? Like we have way more brain power than we do quickness with our thumbs to like ask a question. 
Um, so to like open up that ability. Where was this guy born? I don't know, dude. I don't know. South Africa, right? Wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, he was bullied. Yeah. Like severely bullied. Yeah, most smart people are. Were you bullied? Uh, I mean, I'm not smart, but I was one of those kids that like I was getting bullied and didn't realize it until like years later. You know what I mean? Like I was getting bullied. I was like, ah, these guys are just my friends. <laughs> you know, and then like years later, I was like, oh yeah, no, that guy was kind of being a dick. What, what were they calling you? I mean, uh, you know, they'd always, I had a really big head. Like I, I had a big, like I had a big forehead. So like people would always make fun of that. I was always, I was like a short scrawny kid, bad haircut. You're kind of a big dude now though, right? Yeah. Well, I played baseball. So I was, I mean, uh, I, I grew when I was like in high school too. Like I was like five foot, like and a half for most of high school. And same, then I just like me, grew yeah. to like six two. Um, and you said, fuck all those bullies, man. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I never, like, I never got, like, I got in, like, a, a couple, like, little fights when I was a kid. Whoa. But, I mean, it was mostly, like, uh, one time it was when I was in middle school, I was in sixth grade. This only, like, real fight that I got in was I was, uh, I was basically defending my friend. There was this kid named Adam Greendike, which is, like, he should have been the one getting bullied. And You got shafted, Adam Greendike. Yeah. And uh, he was just bullying my, my buddy Ben, and I just went and, like, stood up for him, and the kid ben pushed Stein. me. No, but no, I don't even remember his name. Was, I used to live in Seattle, so this was out on the West Coast. Oh, no way. Yeah, I lived there for like kindergarten through sixth grade, so this is like the year before I left. Ichiro country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got an Ichiro rookie card. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hold on to it. Oh, it's going to be it. worth a lot. Yeah. Probably not. Nobody cares about baseball cards anymore except for like eight dudes. And Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Shouts out to Gary V. <laughs> there, there used to be a massive market for baseball cards. Oh, yeah, man. There was, like, multiple stores in my town that would, like, grade and sell your baseball cards and all that stuff. Now I just have, like, binders full of them just because it was, like, dude, cards alone, like, not even just base, Pokemon cards. Like, everything had a card. Hockey cards, like, football cards, like... Business cards. Business cards. That's what I'm collecting now. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that entrepreneurial sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Have you, uh, do you hand them out at your show? I do. Yeah. I, um, that, that was some good advice I got from Dick Doherty when I first started. Um, and he's a guy who used to own clubs in Boston. Um, and then basically quit. Now he just travels the country in like an RV with his wife, like on a, on a retirement, you know, was he, he go, was a big Boston comic. He or? was, yeah. Back in the seventies and stuff like that too. Like he used, he was the guy that would like open up for Aerosmith and shit like that when they'd come through. And, Dick, uh, Dick Doherty's quite the classic Boston name. He is. Yeah. Well, dude, there's like nine comics that call themselves the godfather of Boston comedy, but I'm like, you, you know, you guys can all get is that it, title. Is it like Bobby O'Finnegan? No, <laughs> it's Seamus yeah, O'Hulahan. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. It's a bunch. It's, it's all super. <laughs> Irish guys uh yeah no so uh he gave me advice that like no even if you're the first guy on the show you're doing a guest spot like always stay till the end of the show to say goodbye to the people that are leaving because they'll they'll remember you and uh it just it just gives you that connection even if they weren't there to see you they might feel like they were there to see you and uh yeah you never and you never know who you're gonna meet i've gotten gigs off staying till the end of the show meeting with someone that goes hey i'm doing a i'm trying to do a fundraiser for my kids sports team or i want to do this or i want to do that and then you end up organizing a whole show and actually making money out of just standing by and saying hello and handing out a business card so have you ever thought of organizing your own show like your own headliner yeah i have i mean i've i've done things where i where i like uh I've organized like a couple one-nighters and stuff like that, but like for a consistent weekly show, uh, it's not really my interest. I'd rather be the guy that shows up, does the time and goes. There's a lot of headaches when it comes to booking a show that... And you're I, not a people person. I'm a, I'm a people person, but not to the point... Like I know, I know pretty much everybody in Boston comedy unless they're like new. You know what I mean? I've at least come across them once or twice. And um, it's one of those things that like once you start booking a show, it almost becomes political to the point where... 
people feel like you have to be careful where you do the show, what day of the week you do the show, because then people feel like you're you're competing with them or, um, oh, why isn't so-and-so booking me on my show? I'm not going to book him on, on – uh, why is he booking me on his show? I'm not going to book him on my show, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah I'd, rather just, I'd rather be friends with everybody, do everybody's shows, and not have to worry about – booking and, th- and then you're just constantly trying to book people and looking ahead and it, it takes away from the actual writing and the creative process for me so n- not to be too invasive but on a, a monetization tip and how you've navigated your career has it is it the same every year for you or has it grown just a little bit money wise yeah it's grown a little bit um every year and uh, this year is definitely my best year so far just because i started doing colleges this year nice um, so yeah, I mean, when I first started, I was making, I was working the door at Dick Doherty's clubs. I was making $25 a show to show up early, set up all the chairs that, you know, the cards, the candles, take people's tickets and money, seat them, and then go up and do like five to seven minutes, host the show, and then break everything down and go home. Um, so I just started throwing all that money in a box and saving it up. And then, then you start getting 50 bucks a show to host. Then you start, you know, getting asked to do this club and that club. And I was really, um, like focused at the beginning to not get restricted to like one space. And I I think that's, what's really helped me about not necessarily living in Boston, but whilst navigating the scene is that I'm able to go and do shows in New Hampshire and Maine. And I, I'll drive to Rhode Island and do shows. Like I was going to Rhode Island every Sunday to go do this show (laughs) called pub on park when I first started. Where's that? Uh, it's Cranston. Cranston. Yeah. So it was, um, it was one of those things like just trying to meet as many people as possible, not say no to any opportunities, uh, and just see what happens. You never know what, dude, I've had so many things that I've almost said no to lead to like huge opportunities in my career. Um, like I almost didn't do the Boston comedy festival the year that I won it. Like I, I had done it the year before. I didn't have a great experience with it. I applied the last day that I could possibly submit and then I ended up getting in and I ended up winning it that year. So it's like there's so many things that I almost didn't do that, that have helped me out. So, yeah, definitely just just trying to do as much as I can. That morning you were bumped with a motivational speaker. Yeah. <laughs> I can get off my ass, man. I just got to <laughs> do this thing. Yeah, exactly. No, but, I mean, it's one of those things that I definitely my, – my wife has definitely helped me out too with, like, there's some diets where I'm just like, man, I don't want to go on stage. I don't want to do this. I just want to stay home. And a lot of that's just the anxiety or the fear talk, especially when you're first starting. You know, I don't have that as much anymore. Um, so wild you say your wife to me, honestly. Yeah. I mean, shout out to your wife. It's just like, dude. It's crazy, They're man. young. Yeah. No, it's, it's crazy, but uh, honestly. What, what I, were people thinking when you had first gotten married? They thought I was a religious zealot. They yeah. thought I was some kid who, or, or the, I had people ask me if it was an arranged marriage or stuff like that. <laughs> and like. A Russian yeah. mail order bride Yeah, exactly. Thing. Yeah. Like, what are you trying to get someone a green card? Like, no, I'm, I'm just. That's what I'm going to do to Frank. Just happy, my bad. Frank, all of you marry into my family. That's how we get you citizenship, man. <laughs> I know a couple people. <laughs> the shrug, I love it. Uh, so, on on a sitcom tip, what would your sitcom be? Because I feel like it's probably pretty premeditated for you. I mean, my sitcom. I'm, honestly, I don't even think sitcoms are really fucking funny anymore. Drew's crew. Yeah, I don't think I would do a sitcom in a traditional sense because I think they just die and fail. Uh, what were some really good ones? I mean, I loved uh, How I Met Your Mother. That was a great sitcom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was a classic. Um, what, what's your favorite comedy of all time? As far Ser- as the show? Series, yeah. Uh, the Office is, is, of course, one of the best. I saw Creed Bratton live at the Middle East. Oh, really? He has a great set. Dude, did you know he was? Uh, he has like number one Billboard hits? Creed Bratton. Really? Before he had started The Office, he was with a band that he had number one Billboard no hits. No shit. So his, his show was like monologues intertwined with his music it was great oh that's killer 
I didn't. I didn't even know he did. I met uh, Meredith from the office. I forget her real name. I was doing the Burbank Comedy Festival, and she was doing uh, like an improv slash sketch thing with a guy where they were pretending to be like this this singer couple that was just falling apart and that that was really funny but yeah man it's uh it's the it's office not, is your favorite office office is a, is a classic for sure the newer one that i like now is brooklyn 99 i don't know if you've seen that show is that uh andy sandberg, andy sandberg and terry, terry cruz yeah dude it's that's one of those ones that like i've been watching since the beginning and i'm so glad that it's becoming popular and people are liking it because it's so funny it's it's some of the best characters on that show uh always sunny always sunny's great yeah yeah i grew up watching always sunny in, in high school and stuff like that i faded away from it recently but uh i should get back into it because i love that show have you ever seen arrested development no i haven't it's one of those ones i always see on like netflix or something like that and i just i just scroll past i just never have watched the first episode but i'd probably like it i'd be very well i'd be very curious to see what you think about it because it's the comedy is so calculated mm. and the whole show it builds purely based off inside jokes similar okay. to the office but it's like very very subliminal so i wonder how com- comedians take it in yeah i'd have to i'd have to watch it um and then if, speaking of the office parks and recreation is a, is a classic Great. too yeah Th- those types of shows are just super funny who any of the movies spawning from some of the actors in these shows you like or um oh, dude i'm so bad with like remembering like, names like evan stuff. almighty Evan Almighty. <laughs> nah, I mean, I loved Bruce Almighty when it first came. I'm a big Jim Carrey fan for sure. The goat. Yeah, Jim the Carrey goat. is just, just great, man. The just goat. So so good a character. So good at just like he he's one of those guys that makes you forget you're watching a movie. Like that's what makes he good is movie. The movie. But but for me, that's what makes good movie and TV, and what makes so many of these sitcoms shitty is like it feels like I'm like a, a bad sitcom makes you feel like you're watching TV. When you're watching a good movie or a good sitcom, you forget and you're just staring and you're enveloped in the story or the character or whatever it is. And Jim Carrey was so good at that, just he, making you he forget. He carried plots through so well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was a grinder too, man. Have you heard his story? Yeah, yeah, where he was like on his last line, living out of his car, and, and then he got and the he wrote himself and, a check and kept yeah. it in his wallet for seven years yeah he said he said he was gonna get a, a check for like 10 million dollars in five years and he just kept the blank check in his wallet and it just like tethered and tore and tore yeah and then he ended up getting a 10 million dollar check in seven years yeah yeah that's crazy man that's crazy that's one of those dudes that i wish uh still did stand-up comedy because he had a, he had such a fun i don't know if you've ever seen the stand-up special that he did back in the day i saw it in living color in living color is great dude but then his stand-up special he did i believe it was after in living color was so fucking funny that and i think that was the last piece of work stand-up wise that he really put out and then he just started focus on comedic acting which of course great but he's one of those dudes that i'm like man i wonder what like a jim carrey comedy special would look like like today although now now that i've seen him on comedians in cars getting coffee he's like very prolific and very like uh, artist and centered and stuff like that so um but i actually he is coming out he's in a movie now isn't he in this he's in the new sonic movie He's playing oh, Sonic Doc- the Hedgehog as a yeah, movie. He's playing uh, Doctor Eggman in the, in no the new way. Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, sh- oh that seems shit, like a good character for him. Yeah, for sure, just wacky and like kooky. the Grinch kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he uh, like Ace Ventura is such a good movie, dude. Um, oh yeah, dude, I talked out of my butt for like five years. Oh yeah, yeah. literally. <laughs> it it was such a hit. What else? Was, the Mask was really good. Yeah, The Mask. Um, dude, there's so many, there's so many good ones. Definitely Bruce Almighty. Definitely, uh, what was the one he did after that? Liar, liar. Yeah, liar, liar. Yeah, and then he started doing uh, 
he started doing more dramatic ones and everything like that, which I think I think oh, every actor, something about Mary, something about Mary Wait, too. Which that, no, 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 no. Excuse me. No, that wasn't me. Him, myself yeah. and Irene. My, me, myself and Irene. Yeah, that, I, I love that. I love that movie too. That was one of those ones that like Steve Sweeney and Lenny Clark and all those guys are in. Steve Sweeney plays his next door neighbor on oh. me, myself and Irene. The guy that like he goes and shits on his lawn. That's Steve Sweeney. The the priest in me, myself and Irene in that first scene was my film professor at Providence. Oh College. no shit! Oh, He's the nicest cool. dude of all time. Shout out to Father Gumbert. I'll send this to you, man. I hope you're still priesting it up. Sorry. Yeah, just Sorry skip, we disparaging yeah, religion. Just skip through that whole religion part from earlier. He's actually a really interesting guy. He, he that'll be for another time. Yeah. I'll just get him <laughs> up here. That's what we'll do. So what what interests you in in terms of what's going on in the city right now? Um, I mean, I just love how much stand-up comedy is happening right now. There's there's sh- multiple shows seven days a week. Frank, it, Frank, it clicked. There's uh, Frank. Okay. There's uh there's people that um there's just there's just so many ways to get better, and that's what Boston's always been. It's always been the development grounds of some of the best stand-up comics that are out there. Bill Burr, Louie, Joe Rogan, all those guys started in Boston and then went either through New York or right to L.A. Um, Why does that keep happening, though? Um, it keeps happening because I think, there, A, there's some really just fucking funny people here. I think the culture here is is based I mean, around I mean, why comedy. Why people leave? People leave because there's no industry here. There's no... There's no late night scouts at the comedy clubs. There's no, no money. There's there's no. I mean, there's enough money. You if you want to travel around New England and work up a following in New England, you can make like a good teacher salary doing comedy. Maybe a little more. Like especially like I started doing colleges. Like colleges, there's a lot of good money in those. Um, but there's no real like national spotlight. But even like I didn't think I was going to be able to get even some of the showcases that I've had in Boston, I thought I was going to have to move to New York, like play things like, uh, just for laughs, comedy central and, uh, and, uh, like the, um, big sky comedy festival, things that get you in front of industry have started doing showcases in Boston as of late. Uh, just because there's a ton of really funny comics that are, that are here. And, uh, like a Boston comic, one big sky, Corey Rodriguez is, uh, is a dude. Oh, no way. Yeah. You guys boys? Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's a great guy. He's a super funny comic. Frank, you okay? Are you hot? Do you want me to turn the AC back on? If you want to, yeah. If it's not going to mess up the sound. It's probably going to absolutely obliterate the sound, so we can't. I mean, I'm good. That water's for I'll you, get, by the way. I'll get glistening. Yeah, I still got my Dunk's coffee. Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. I know you're a Starbucks guy, but... I'm I'm both. I know it's... Can't play for two teams. No, you can. Can't. P- oh yeah, you in pitch the, and catch you in the coffee game. You can pitch and catch all you want. Yeah. Shout out to Dunks. Yeah. And shout out to Starbucks. I don't like that they're changing it just to Dunkin' though. I think it's smart branding. I don't know. I I would rather. I'd rather if you're gonna change it to something shorter, it should just be Dunks. Well, when you texted your wife this morning saying, "Hey, before I go on this podcast, I'm gonna go to what?" You didn't say Dunkin' Donuts. You said, "I'm gonna go to." I'm gonna go to Dunks. Dunks. You said, "I'm dunks? gonna go to Dunks before I." Before I go to before I go to the I'm gonna go to that Dunks in Nashville right next to that that motorcycle gang. Yeah, <laughs> New Hampshire is a zoo, man. New Hampshire is, but New Nashua is like Massachusetts spillover. Like Nashua is one of those places that got voted best place to live like two years in a row. Oh, like don't lie to me. No, in early 2000s it did, and then everybody from like Lowell and and Lawrence just moved up Route Three and moved to Nashua. Like the populations like doubled or tripled over the last 15 years. Because that rent. 
and uh, it doesn't feel like you're in the woods. You're, it feels like you're pretty much in Massachusetts. Then you go like 20 minutes up, and you're like, oh, there's a NASCAR track right that, here. That's New Hampshire, New yeah. Hampshire. Then you get up to real. Like when you called me when I was in Newport, New Hampshire, I was in fucking New Hampshire, New Hampshire. I was like, dude, I can smell the incest in this town. Like everybody's walking with a limp. Everybody's got some sort of weird look on their face. They all look uncomfortable. All in their these own old skin. dudes have cutoffs on with one tattoo on their right bicep. Yeah, dude, it's it was. Uh, yeah, no, there's some there's some crazy spots in New Hampshire, but then like there's also just some places that just feel normal. Like like even Manchester, Manchester's like the biggest city in New Hampshire, uh, mostly known for its heroin problem. Like you know what I mean? Just like any city is nowadays. Any off season beach town in Massachusetts? Yeah, same thing. Yeah, exactly. Whoa, yeah. crazy, crazy. But what's the deal with New Hampshire, man? As far as what? Like, <laughs> like Massachusetts people, the general scope and consensus of New Hampshire is like, what is that place? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, what is going on up It used there? to be called God's Country. That's what people in Massachusetts would refer to because it, so, it was like some super religious zealots and stuff like that. Um, the, Frank, for reference, New Hampshire. So Massachusetts is known for like, you know... Dunkin' con- Donuts. And the, but the country started here. Yeah. And... Boston, this big financial hub and this innovative city. Yeah, yeah. And New Hampshire is known for having a rock that has a face that's slightly the the rock formation slightly resembles a face. And it's not even there anymore. It fell down like twenty five years ago. It's not even there. And it's still on like that's the that's the symbol for like the state root sign. It's like the man on the mountain and everything like that. Um, a lot of people go there to uh, vacation, like there's the lake region and the mountains, skiing, snowboarding, stuff like that. Um, that's the good thing about Nashua is I live, uh, like I'm, I, I can get to Boston, like I, I got here in like 35 minutes today and I can also get to the beach in like 40 minutes and I can go to the mountains in 40 minutes. Like I'm, I'm centered to like everything I could possibly want to do. You were meant to be an eagle. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I, I can just soar around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's it's great for comedy because I'm like anytime I'm driving to Boston, I'm going the opposite way of traffic. Where if somebody in Boston wants to come up to New Hampshire to do a show, they're go- they're gonna have to leave a, you know an extra hour early to fight all the rush hour traffic of people coming back and all that stuff. So it's it's been a good spot. I mean, I, I, even like going to New York, I'm, I'm three and a half four hours away from New York City, so I'll. I'll I go there like once every few months just to to do gigs. Yeah, do gigs. Just do you know people that I've met at, in Boston. Go do their shows and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, before we totally, I'm having a blast. By the way, yeah, man. man. Before we totally move on, Frank, do you have a water? I want to make sure you're not getting too antsy back there. You doing okay? Yeah. I mean, you, you can take as many sips as you want, man. Also, <sighs> this, these these are for you. Oh hell yeah! I've been playing with this the whole time. It's probably everyone's been watching. Little ADHD. Things. What, yeah. would, what would kids do in New Hampshire growing up? Uh, I mean, I moved there going into seventh grade. Um, oh, so you were writing like so we were, porn. <laughs> that's like the porn era and like Axe Spray era. Yeah, definitely Axe Body Spray. Definitely. Uh, you, yeah, you, you were rocking the Axe Chocolate. Uh, no, I never did the chocolate. I felt like that was cultural appropriation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, it I mean. It was the most poignant smell it was yeah it was, it was dude there's so many of them the only thing that axe does now is it covers up the smell of weed really well that's good just a quick note oh so you would be smoking the blizz in the back and not not when i was that young but like that's what i use it for now like i still have a can of axe body spray in my <laughs> <car>. <laughs> no yeah you got to get rid of it. that's the only thing that covers it up it's the it's only so thing strong, strong enough to to get rid of this, that smell how old were you when you first smoked uh shit i was probably 
17 i think oh so you're kind of late yeah i was like i was one of the dudes that i was hanging out with everybody that was smoking weed but i wouldn't smoke my parents had drilled it in my head that it's like bad evil like all the stuff that parents should say about drugs um and then uh i just kind of one day i was just i was just wanted to do it and i just bored as hell yeah i just well i was actually i was having a party uh at my house shout out to my dad if he's watching right now so you and so uh, you were drinking before uh very lightly i'd have like a couple beers here and there like with the baseball team and stuff like that like right when we lost the uh, in the playoffs like we all we all skipped school and had like just had a couple beers and stuff like that. yeah yeah um and uh yeah and i smoked weed for the first time and then i didn't I, I would do it like very intermittently until i got older then once i was in college and after college is when i really started uh smoking a little bit more consistently does it are you ever high on stage uh very rarely i like to be totally sober on stage that was something i was pretty conscious of when i first started was that i didn't want to be reliant on any like i didn't want to have to have a beer to get on stage and be comfortable you know what i mean Uh, hey there instagram yeah i didn't want to be uh i didn't want to have to like like oh shit i don't have my beer i don't feel comfortable like i wanted to be able to go on stage be totally sober uh embrace the nerves and just get through it and get better and better at at dealing with it does booze Um, ever help I mean, it definitely helps, but it's also a crutch. You know what I mean? Like, if you if you have a couple beers, you won't feel as nervous about going on stage and talking to people. But if you just get used to feeling nervous and overcome that, then I think you get better and better. Yeah, just like anything. Yeah, for sure. You just have to push through that, that initial, like, uncomfortableness and and know that it's supposed to be like that. Like, the metaphor I always use for stand-up is, like, when you first start doing stand-up comedy you're you become a totally different person the second that your name gets called you go on stage and you're standing in front of the microphone your brain goes blank you're not yourself anymore now you're just trying to like performing yeah you're trying to do the thing that you practiced or try and be funny um and then you get off stage and you're back to feeling normal the goal is to make those two people mesh into one where you start to become a comedian all the time where you, you you know you're a funny person but also you can be yourself on stage and not have to feel like you're putting on a play have you ever like really said something disrespectful on accident? Like everyone, are you like, asking me if I said the N word on stage before? Did you say it? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, well, has there ever been a moment where you like really bombed one bad and everyone's like, "Dude, what are you doing?" No, because like I said, man, if I if I you can sense the crowd. Like if you're going, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've bombed. You you should bomb. It's it's important to not have things go well. But a, an important skill too is to be good at bombing. To be able to have a joke not go well not have the crowd lose total trust in you and then be able to move on. So, I mean, like a formula for me to like try a new joke or even something edgy is to do a joke that I know works, do the joke that I don't know works, the new thing, and then end with a joke that I know works. That way I can get not only a good gauge of how well that middle joke works based off of the other jokes that I did, but also just to prove to the, like the crowd, okay, the crowd trusts me, I'm funny. Now let's try the thing I want to try. And if they didn't like it, hey, I'm funny. You know, and then and then you leave with having worked on something and without having to feel like you're a total piece of shit. But there's never been a time like, oh. I mean, I've I've felt that feeling, but I I don't think I don't go out and try things that I think are like disrespectful like that or or too outlandish. Don't get me wrong. There's probably been individuals in the crowd that have felt that towards something that I've said. Um, but as a total like crowd consensus, I've never had everybody go like, wow, that's really fucked up. You shouldn't say that because I'm usually pretty aware that I shouldn't say something. Once you say it out loud the first time, and that's usually what I do is I'll, I usually sit in my com- front of my computer with a, with a microphone, hit record, and then I'll just talk out a new idea. And when you say it out loud, you can realize if you're saying fucked up shit. When you're writing it, you don't always know if it's fucked up yeah. or not. Yeah. I know what you're saying. 
I feel like at, at some point, though, you're going to just like push the limits. Though. For sure. No, you have to, for sure. But um, I think it's important to know where to push the limits. And, and what's important to me to, to talk about isn't necessarily something that's going to like make people super upset. Like I do accents. Like like that that one accent is one of a bunch of different that I do. So Can you give like, me another? Uh, yeah, like I can do another one for you right now. You know, like the Indian accent is sort of like a lot of people are probably like, "Hey, white guy can't do it," you know. But you can, you can. If you have a problem, that's a Verizon customer service right there, boy. <laughs> see, <laughs> that's the problem right there. You go right to like, I see. I think it's okay to do those accents if you stay away from stereotypes, right? You know what I mean? Like if I was like, "Hey, I work at Seven Eleven," like people would be like, "Oh, that's fucked up." But if like I do a bit where I talk about people just saying that I'm in an arranged marriage, and then I do a full like fake commercial essentially with the Indian voice and so i have to like find that was a way really to, spot on though oh thanks yeah i mean accents are kind of kind of my deal you know what i mean like you could go down under you want to go to australia mike we could I'd go love right to. there absolutely mike i can show you around it's a lot of things you got to be careful of like what i wow, like this venomous snakes all over the place and you got to make gotta, sure you, you wear your protective gear absolutely right protective gear is absolutely vital to you surviving essential out in this bush absolutely right essential <laughs> <laughs> what, what else you got in the vault uh i got, I got a mario yahoo yeah it'll yeah. make me queasy oh it's a me, Mario. Hello. <laughs> Classic games. Yeah, that's yeah. Of course, um, I'm a big gamer too. I, I love, I love fucking playing games and shit. But yeah, I mean, you have an English accent, of course, natural and normal. And then you have a bit more of like up and down, like it's a different region of England. And then you could go down to Scotland if you'd like. Have you ever been to Scotland, lad? What about Ireland? Have you seen the Rolling Hills? Well, you could go to Ireland as well. That's a bit more high pitch, and maybe you know, there's, there's a lot of different types of Irish accents. Though you know, you could go to Northern Ireland, where it's a bit more like tat 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 with the end of your sentences. Um, and I'm sure there's somebody going at home like that's not that's that's inaccurate. Like I don't I don't research. I just do voices. Off and, ear. Yeah, I just I just fuck around. Like anybody who's like that's well, technically they would pronounce that as this. I'm just I don't I don't give a fuck. Me and my friends are trying to my friends, if they listen. Where is this accent from? I have the most comprehensive grading system. That sounds like, like Dracula. That's like a Transylvanian <laughs> accent. But or it is pretty close to Russian. Your smell is intoxicating. See, that is, it's the squeak that turns it into like vampire cartoon. But if you stay low and frown, this is key to Russian accent, is to frown and be upset with ech, cult, life. Yeah, then you could go to Germany as well. Since we're already over there, why not? Why not take a peek around the corner to see... Oh, who's there? Looks like it's me. And then you can go over to China. Yeah, you could go to China too. But don't <laughs> worry. I'm not going to say anything offensive. Okay. Sorry, Frank. <laughs> Probably not even a Chinese accent. It's uh, just That's a dumb one. Yeah. Um Yeah, bro. You got some spot on accents, brother. Thanks, bro. Yeah, it's kinda kinda my deal. I think that's what's helped to like separate me, especially in like a lot of these competitions that I've done, like the Boston Comedy Festival, the Seattle International Festival, it helped me to like stand out because I have the jokes and the voices rather than just like one or the other. Because a lot of guys that do impressions, they really rely on that or they set them up like they're an impression. Like, wouldn't it be funny if a Chinese guy and an Indian guy were going to McDonald's? What would that be like? And then they just start doing the bit. Like, where me, I try and like catch people by surprise and just do them out of nowhere so they don't have a chance to yeah, like you judge it before. Your, your bit off rip. That's how you started. Yeah. What's that guy's name again? Nigel? David Attenborough. Oh, yeah, no, David Attenborough. No, you're thinking of Nigel Thornberry's Animal World. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen the Thornberry's, Frank? 
It, it was oh, this classic a, Nickelodeon show. Yeah, and classic. They, and they had a kid named Donnie who was a barbarian. Yeah, he was like the uh, like the the kid who was lost in the woods kind of thing, and then they found him and raised him, and he never they never taught him English. Well, I thought he was a biological kid, and he was just raised by monkeys. I I don't know what it was. No, didn't they say he found they found well, the intro was. Donnie, we found him, and Darwin, he found us, which was the monkey or something like that. Darwin was the monkey friend that she had. What a stereotypical name for a monkey, yeah, Darwin. It's kinda, yeah, it's kind of lame. <laughs> Come on, man. But back then, it was revolutionary. People didn't really believe in Darwin yet. You know? Well, so I have a friend I call Donnie Thornberry. He thinks it's like the most disrespectful thing of all time. Yeah, but, <laughs> but dude, it's some famous band member does the voice for him. Oh, really? Yeah, I actually got to look that up real quick. Famous band member does the that voice. I feel like they could have got any like twelve year old to do that voice and saved a bunch of money. I think it might be. So... Are you big in a rock? A little bit, but uh, dude, I'm so bad at like following things and knowing people's names that uh, like if you played a song, I would know it. But if you were like, "Who's that by?" I'd be like, "The people that play it." That's who. Let me find it real quick. Flea from. Who's this guy in the band of? This, this dude look looks like, like Donnie Thornberry. Yeah. Uh, what's this dude in? Flea. Musician. Oh, he was the bassist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, okay. Oh, no shit. Curveball. Fun fact. That'll be on the uh, Golden Deer Productions trivia that we have at the end of the month. That'd be great. We should do a <laughs> trivia show. I would love to organize a big comedy show. Yeah. So I do, outside of this, I do a bunch of events. So I would love, that'd be fun. Yeah, man. Let me know. I can help you get some good people. And you know what I would like to do? I'll talk about you after, but there's a bunch of social media influencers I'm friends with in the city that I think you could definitely do some work with. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So listen, we got to wrap it up. But All hey, right. I had a great time. Yeah, man. Me too. It's good talking to you. So this is how we start and end the show. You say, hi, your name, and this is my golden hour. Directly after no break, you say, hi, your name, and that was my golden hour. Okay. You think you got that down? I think so. I think you're I can you're a comic. You got to be intellectual, yeah. man. Hi, I'm Drew Dunn, and this is my golden hour. Hi, I'm Drew Dunn, and that was my golden hour. Is this, is this camera okay? I think I fucking nailed it, bro. Can I be honest with you, bro? We might have like a 4% success rate on people in the show, so that was great. <laughs> Frank, tell me when.